Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pa, pa, pa. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along. It's a Friday morning episode. Um, I was going to say, I forgot what it was now. Oh, I've got a forward. consumer decision to make soon. I don't know if you've got Whoa. any thoughts on that. I'm, oh, I'm thinking, I haven't committed yet. Yeah. But I'm thinking of buying a new knife for the kitchen. Right. And the knife I buy will be, I have a variety of sharp knives, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a master knife. Um, a few years ago, when I, do you remember when I got really into just buying any old shit that Instagram threw at me? Yeah, yeah, certainly I do, yeah. Um, one of the things I got was a, a you know, I saw an astounding video about mm. a knife sharpener that was like that, the best yeah. knife sharpener in the world. You bought uh, it, didn't you? I thought I'll get that, and then all these mm. knives I've had over the years. You know, you know, like mm. your main knives that you use. Mm. And um, but I've just had loads over the years, and they're still hanging about. But so many of them are dull, Andy. They're dull knives, mm. right? Mm. So I thought this will revive them all. It did all right. You, you. I mean, your your knives are dull because you are a prolific knifesman. I am a prolific knifesman. I'm using them a lot, right? So I, uh, yeah. I, so I. I I, that sharpener wasn't as good. I mean, there was a thing where, you know, they do all these fancy tricks on the video, like they drop a tomato out of the air, and as mm. it lands on the blade of the knife, it just perfectly cuts in in half, for yeah. example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like they throw a piece yeah. of paper the up videos. in the air. Yeah, the video. Yeah, the videos. And you're like, yeah. wow, this is so, this is amazing. This is the sharpest thing I've ever seen. I have to video. get this. And they were <laughs> saying they made all my knives like that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm life gonna life will be like this video. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna have six of the sharpest knives in the world. I'm gonna feel like mm. a ninja. But first time, I, I my best knife. So we've all got a best knife, and I, I sharp. The first time I used my best knife on it, it had a good effect. But each time, just like a knife, it got duller and duller with each use. The time has now come, Andy, where I feel like I want a good knife now. If you go mental and you get like one of these Japanese ones where the metal has been folded, like it's one sheet of metal that gets folded back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like a, a million times by an old Chinese man, right, mm. up a mountain. Not Chinese, sorry, Japanese. You can get one then, but these cost a lot. Um, can you not get a nice sharpener sharpener? I don't know. That's or an interesting idea. Sharpener. That's an interesting idea. I would like to know how people get their knives sharpened. Like, how do yeah. chefs get their knives sharpened? Like, you know, there used to be a man come round sharpening your knives in well, the old days. I think you probably have to go and find your nearest lump Butcher. of flint, I think it is, that you sharpen them on. You do it yourself. Just rub it backwards and forwards against the flint. How long, though? Does, I mean, I don't, I'm not convinced that works. I think that all knives really, unless you invest at the very top of the market, right, mm. which I, I don't think I'm going to buy, like, a £200 knife. 
I just can't see myself doing that, you know. Are you saying you don't have any flint around where you live? I don't know where the local flint is. Are you Googling it? Flint, South West London. Flint. Yeah. There's an app that tells you your closest flint oh, source. Oh, my flint. Myflint.com. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, nothing near you. Ah, uh, typical. Stevenage is your nearest one. Stevenage, that's way too yeah. far. I got bunged off a train in Stevenage once. It was miserable. I've just got painful memories of the place. Did you see the flint? No, <laughs> if I'd known there was flint, it would have given me something to do other than stand about in the rain waiting for the next train to come along. <laughs> I only got bunged off because my mate was smoking. I wasn't even smoking. He was. But the geezer threw us both off for it. Did you protest and say, hang on, I wasn't smoking, or did you use solidarity? Uh, solidarity no, I tried to go, oh, I wasn't even smoking. He goes, get it off. Me. Fuck off. Get off, or you're getting nicked for being with smoking adjacent. That's, whoa, that doesn't sound like a thing. But anyway, Stevenage. Mm. Um, if you are um, someone who regularly travels on the LNAR train line, and if yeah. I say the words to you, Stevenage Leisure Centre, yeah. you'll know what I mean. Oh. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it goes through. If I'm you're not coming down, that. I was coming back from an away day, and you always seem to go through it if you're coming back from up north on an away day. I mean, yeah. to be fair, we were also nicking miniatures off of the, you know, the wheelie bar that they take around. Oh, we, I know the full story. We've been, out we've been stealing yeah. them, but yeah. I don't think he knew that we'd stolen them. I think it was the fact, well, maybe it was a bit like Al Capone, you know, getting done for well, tax evasion. You know, you were probably up on the deal then because you you got some miniatures. I had some miniatures. That kept me warm. Anyway, I'm not going there to get me flint because it holds too many painful memories. So what I'm saying is I might have to buy a knife. Have you? When was the last time you bought a good kitchen knife? I bought three knives the other week. Wow. They were for me. They were for me daughter to go with the university. Oh, okay. With. Kitchen oh, devils, were they? Um, I think they might have been. She got a... F- fucking massive bread knife which yeah. is bigger than the one i've got important which gave me bread knife envy mm-hmm. and made me think maybe it's time to i need to my get a, a big fucking bread knife yeah she got the kitchen devil which is the one that we've got which she describes as her favorite knife is that a sort of um, a medium-sized utility medium knife? medium-sized yeah mid-range like the, midi a, knife. a james milner type knife that can play in yeah. many different positions all uh, versatile knife, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's right to believe that about the knife. It is the best knife we've got. Yeah, and mi- a middle-sized sharpen is always good. Bought. Oh no, the third thing we brought was we bought was a potato peeler. Oh, okay. A vegetable peeler. Vegetable peeler. Yeah. Um, and did you get these all in the supermarket? Got them in Sainsbury's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they yeah. all had security tags on. Yeah, yeah. Because if not, no, the, the potato peeler didn't. If not, the, the, the gangs will get them. If not, that's the problem. It's yeah. the gangs, isn't it? But the thing is, they're all in frustration. Free, well, not frustration-free packaging. The the opposite of that, frustration packaging. Uh, so I think the gangs get frustrated because they can't open the knife straight away and use them on their, knife, on their enemies. <laughs> it's taking ages to get through the plastic. <laughs> I need the knife to open the knife, isn't it? There's an irony in that. The whole, <laughs> if I had a knife sharp enough to get through this packaging, I wouldn't need a new knife in the first place, I'm blood. Too, I, I'm in a hurry. I need to stick it in someone's leg. <laughs> I've got to go out and shank someone. Oh. So, so you're thinking of getting... What are you thinking of getting? One of those medium James Milner knives? Probably, yeah. But I quite like the idea of a large knife like you see a pro chef using. Because I like to cook. 
And I mm. like to, when I'm cooking, pretend in my mind like I'm a pro. And I think there's a level above that midi knife. Yeah. And kind of smaller than a massive knife. Yeah. Kind of, if you call it... Um, a number ten. Yeah, that's that's the, I think Play that's behind, that's the level I'm the looking at going in. Yeah. If anyone's got any suggestions, probably the best knife I've bought. So a couple of times when I've been a bit flush in the past, I've gone into like a fancy kitchen shop and bought a good knife. Mm. And actually, my best knife, which is just coming to the end of its tenure now, I've had a good ten years out of it. Right. So I think that's decent value for money, and that was a good one. But then again, one of the best knives I ever got was just in the local hardware shop. You know, in those little independent hardware shops. I've talked about yeah. this podcast before. The man in there can be a bit grumpy. Although for years, I thought there was too many worked in there. And I thought they were brothers who looked alike. And I thought one was really happy and the other one was really grumpy. And whenever I went up there, me and my wife would go, I'm going up the shop to the, the, to the home hardware shop. Hopefully the nice brother's there today, right? And then you come back and go, no, it was the nasty one today or whatever. And this has been going on, well, we've been living in this area 15 years. And it was only this year that I realised, I don't think it is two blokes. I think it's the same bloke, but he's like bipolar or something. Bipolar, yeah, exactly. I don't know why well, I got into just... my head they were twin brothers. It was just that they were so different. Like, you'd be in there one day and go, hello, my friend, how's it going? Oh, yeah, you want some screws? Let's talk about screws. You have a nice chat, right? Mm. Next day you'd go, I just want a light bulb. And he'd look at you like, cunt. <laughs> and I'd be like... It must be a different geezer, but same geezer. Nah, we is all have this, ups and is this downs. A shop, is this a shop that is widely used? Does he yeah. have a steady stream of customers? Yeah, yeah. He does, right. Because I thought maybe if he didn't, he'd make a conscious decision at the start of the day. Today, I'm going to be happy guy. Today, I'm going to be miserable guy. Mm. And he'd mm. stick with it for the whole day. No, maybe this, this shop, maybe I mean, I've never been in there... I've never been in there where uh, there's more than one other customer. It doesn't get packed, but it's small. And I've got to say, mate, I love it because it's like the sort of, you know, like the four candles sketch, you know, like lo- yeah. for some reason, the two Ronnies were always set in their sketches in a hardware shop. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. like that. It's very old school. In fact, there's a like scene that. in Ever Decreasing Circles where he, he likes to go to the hardware shop. I'm sure mm. there's an episode where he makes a big deal out of the fact he prefers the local independent hardware shop to the big like home base or whatever mm. that's uh, open nearby and everything's you know in nice little drawers and neatly organized it's like yeah. it's, it's an aladdin's cave mate it's the classic yeah. aladdin's yeah. cave and i was in there and, but you wouldn't the sort of stuff you get in that kind of shop you don't think of it as the best quality you think of it as good quality and they've got everything but this night and you think you're doing a good thing by supporting, supporting local, local business well, don't you I went in there once and there was just a knife and it advertised it. So, I mean, you know, I'm easy prey for marketers, aren't I? And it actually ha- said on the on the packaging, sharpest knife in the world. Mm. I wasn't even in the market for a knife, but I fucking bought it as soon as I saw that. Like, sharpest <laughs> knife in the world? I'll have that. <laughs> and it's hard to say it's got a serrated oh, edge. It looks like a bit like a bread knife, but something more. Because you know, like there's ridges on the blade of a bed of a bread knife, right? But mm. they're all even. This one, mm. they're not regular. So there'll be a long bit, then a short bit, then a medium bit, and so on and so forth. It's so, mad so do, looking. Do you do you cut it at different parts of the knife for different uses? Or? No, I just fucking go at it. Maybe you're supposed to if you do it proper. It. Yeah. Uh, when I when I used to still eat meat. It was the fucking ultimate Sunday roast cut in. 
device and and it can't mm. really go dull because it's not that a bread knife that kind of like jagged edge can't really go dull like a straight edge can so that mm. one's still serving me well but i need a straight edge anyway any advice um i guess welcome but only if it's good advice i don't want stories just literally say tell me this is a good knife that i got at a reasonable price are you soliciting advice from the listeners on this well, it has sometimes worked. Look, I got yeah. a, I got a gate out of it, didn't I? And I got you Vita did. Modular out of it. Yeah, you did. I'm not looking for what a freebie the... knife. I'm just looking for someone to tell me that there's a good knife that they've had a good experience with. Because I don't well, want to rush into this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you'll get lots of different answers. You'll get lots of d- differing opinions, contradictory opinions almost. You'll get some, um, what I describe as mischief makers, <laughs> who'll give you some false information oh. just to fuck with your head. Oh, but, God. Um, like in Police Academy I'll- when they kept telling people to meet them in the Blue Oyster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. Great, the, great the, leap of imagination there, the, yeah. The life equivalent of saying meet yeah. me in the Blue Oyster. It's just a I normal so. place. It's not a gay <laughs> bar or anything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, the Blue Oyster to this day is still shorthand, isn't it? For it is, yeah. Bar. Well, when me and my cousins, we'd always just not even say the Blue Oyster. We'd just do the first few bars of the song that always played <laughs> when you walked into the Blue Oyster, <laughs> which is like... <laughs> Some sort of like, like Argentinian tango was always going on in there. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah the Blue Oyster, like we'll deep dive that one day. Now, talking of deep dives, mate, sad news today in the paper when I woke up this morning, John McVicker is dead. I saw that, yeah. Now, John McVicker, for those who don't know, he was uh, an extraordinary man. And I knew a bit about him based on, obviously, in 1980, a film was made about him called McVicker. It starred Roger mm-hmm. Daltrey and it is, uh, it's a classic prison drama. And it's based mm-hmm. on a true story, which is his escape from high security Durham prison, right? And it's a really great escape from prison film. I can highly recommend it. Roger Daltrey and Adam Faith star in it, and it's wonderful. So I knew him from that, but then I also knew him that eventually when he got back, he went back to prison, he got a degree in sociology and he became a journalist. And so he was on the similar beat to me. He was much older than me, but when I first started in magazines, he'd written for some of the same mags I was writing for. And therefore I knew people who knew him. And I was fascinated by him. I said, oh, you know, you commissioned John McVicker. And they go, yeah. And a couple of people told me that he he was highly intelligent, very good writer, Mm. but he still, you know, he had something of the villain in him still, because although he'd gone straight, he would, he wasn't adverse to sometimes just threatening you, just in the, which is, of course, as you and I know, is not really that, common in the world of media lovey land right but <laughs> jo- things lively john john mcvicker was very like happy like you know like we've talked before about like with an invoice payment or whatever john mcvicker was always very happy to just say oh we'll come and beat you up or whatever right yeah john mcvicker was always paid on time basically and i thought so i was fascinated by john mcvicker and when i saw that it died and i said it's a great story because I, I you know i really i like stories of positive rehabilitation because i don't think the way that we treat criminals in this country in our society is good at all you know I don't think we make any fucking effort whatsoever other than to just segregate them and keep them in the prison system forever so when you see a story like his it's great right so I thought right 
uh, I was on the Telegraph website and I thought, I'm going to read this fucking thing. Well, it turns out I didn't fucking know half the story about John McVicker. I'll give you some highlights, Andy, that I think you're going to like. Thank you, all right, uh, let's see. I'll just get skipped through here. He, yeah, after he escaped from high security wing of Durham jail, he became public enemy number one with a £10,000 bounty on his head, right? But preferred to describe his early career as that of an honest bank robber. His first prison <laughs> break had been in 1966 when he bolted from a coach carrying him to Parkhurst Prison on the Isle of Wight and spent four months on the run. Was it just on the island? I love the idea of him being... To, I mean, it's a small island, the Isle of Wight, but, Warming around but it, yeah. it's a really good place to hide, like even mm. now, and it would have been less developed back in 1966. So the idea that he could be on the run on such a small island for four months is tremendously exciting because, I mean, in the middle of the island, like round the edge, there's like all these coves that pirates used to use, right? Yeah. There's also, a, there was a lot of stuff built during the war, like secret tunnels and, and uh, bomb shells and stuff that are in the caves that are brilliant to hide in, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's just loads of fucking rough countryside and hills and stuff like that. It would be brilliant. But maybe he got over to Portsmouth, I don't know. Jalapeno. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jalapeño. Two years later, he was by now an inmate of the escape-proof E-Wing at Durham, not far from you, mate. Escape-proof. The escape-proof, right? And he, he walked in, they said, right, we're putting you in the escape-proof wing at Durham Prison, which is the most high-security prison wing in the whole of the UK. We're putting you in mm. there, McVicker, because we know what you're like. He thought, oh, yeah, I like a challenge, right? He prepared for his next breakout by doing weightlifting earning himself the nickname on the inside of, ready for this? Goes back to something mm. we discussed already this week. Mm. His nickname in prison was Mr. Mus- Mr. Muscles. Yeah, I going to say Muscles. <laughs> Mr. Muscles to you. It's Muscles Week on Top Flight Time Machine. 
Over time, Vicar carefully chipped his way through the wall in the prison shower. This is all in the movie, but it's worth reading. And he replaced the bricks with papier-mâché replicas that he'd made. Fucking legend, right? Um, on the night of October 1968, McVicar and two accomplices, Walter Angelface Probin, a fellow robber and prolific escaper known as the Hotston Houdini, and, jo- and Joey Martin, a convicted murderer, we'll, we'll skip over that bit, climbed into a ventilation shaft. Of course they did. So you've always got to climb inside a ventilation shaft, haven't you? That's what, that's what they're for, isn't it? Crawled along it, entered the exercise yard, crossed the roof before lowering themselves down the prison wall. Their disappearance was soon noticed, though Probin and Martin were quickly recaptured. Alarm bells were going, warders shouting, screaming, torches, that sort of thing, McVicker recalled. It was obviously going to be a hard go. As the police hunt got underway, he swam across the ice-cold River Weir. Yes. According to you, Britain's hardest river. Yep. Before sleeping fitfully. Yeah, what you doing? Who are you then? A cockney swimming across me? No, this isn't going to work. I'll leave it out, Mr. Weir. I've just done a bunk from Darren I Security Wing, didn't I? I'm not just any cockney. All right. No, that's impressive. Go on then, on your way. I'll let you across. You can try. I'm going to turn my currents up a bit, though. (laughs) I hope you like a challenge. If you think you're a tough guy. <laughs> Let's see how fucking tough. Before sleeping... I like this detail they put. He swam across the ice-cold river weir before sleeping fitfully on a derelict la- on derelict land. Oh, I had, a, I had a fitful sleep on some derelict land. I just thought to myself, why have they made the detail that he slept fitfully? Of course he did. He just escaped from prison and swam across a river. Yeah, you're not going to get a good fucking solid eight hours, are you? Not on derelict on land. On derelict land. Oh, I need some derelict land to keep on. Oh, I hope I get a nice could... sound sleep. Yeah, and you know you could get captured again at any minute. I hope I get to sleep like Sleeping Beauty. Oh, no, that weren't a good sleep at all, actually. I'm a bit disappointed in that. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning, he kept off the roads, instead following the river and railway line, and eventually reached Chesterley Street... From there, he used the phone box to call friends in London who picked him up. It was a great feeling that I'd done it, he said. Um, Right, while in Durham, uh, yeah, he studied sociology, blah, 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 educated himself. Um, Here's a good bit, though. Good at the writing. Here's a good bit, right? um, uh, When he'd escaped again, right, when he was on the run which was for two years after his escape from Durham. He quickly became, ready for this, a master of disguise. Oh, is there anything more that I would want to be than a master of disguise? (laughs) Yeah, and listen to this, right? On one occasion, during a search of a house in South London, the police found no apparent trace of him, but a little old man dressed like a tramp and leaning heavily on a walking stick. Watch their search. He watched their search, right? <laughs> the man who limped off muttering something about the police was later identified as... That's John right, McVicker. John McVicker. <laughs> the cheeky <laughs> cunt dressed up oh, as an old man, man and watched them searching them. out. Who are you looking for? Oh, John <laughs> McVicker. Oh, I never heard of him. <laughs> Stupid police. During this yeah. time, he was quartermaster to a, to a unit of armed robbers taking care of their guns, ammunition and nylon stocking masks. 
Uh, blah, blah, blah. He'd been on the run. Um, he eventually got nicked when two detectives burst into a flat in Blackheath in South London um, where he'd been living openly under the name of Squires. He spent two years nice. on the run, which was the longest period of freedom he'd experienced since his school days. Then he went to Leicester Jail, did more education, wrote a book. Then he got out. They made a film about him. Um, right, then then in his later life, it gets good. Right, one of, the, one of the interesting things was he started writing and he wrote a piece in Spiked magazine in which he commented in 1995 that Linford Christie's remarkable physique in regard to both its bulk and definition is consistent with the use of anabolic, of anabolic steroids, right? right. In, I should say it was incorrect that he wrote that and it was wrong because there was no evidence. Um, right. So Christie sued him, right, and, and won £40,000 worth of damages, right? But the case, this is McVicker versus Christie. It went to court and they were up against each other, right? Had moments of levity, such as when the judge, Mr. Justice Popplewell, inquired, what exactly is Linford's lunchbox? <laughs> <laughs> like that Excellent. judge who asked, what is Gaza? Yeah, what uh, is a Gaza? What is a Gaza? He became obsessed with the Jill Dando murder, did huge amounts of research with it, and concluded that Barry George was the killer, publishing a book dead on time on that basis. George's conviction was later quashed and he was acquitted at a retrial, after which McVicker rewrote the book as Who Killed Jill? You decide. <laughs> Fucking hell. His whole book had been, I'm fucking telling you, I have done an extensive research. It was definitely Barry George. Then they tell him, look, it's fine, I'll just change the title of the book. And I'll write a new conclusion page, bang it back out the new cover, mate. <laughs> Job done. Yeah. Um, hell. But here's a good Barry one, Barry right? Bulsara, to give him his other name. In his post-prison life, McVicker found that life on the straight and narrow was not easy. In 1996, this is where we get to the bit where you know, he was he was very, he was a respected writer and an intelligent man, right? But mm. he still had a bit of the geezer inside of him. Listen to this: in his post prison life, da da da. In 1996, he appeared before his honour, John Baker, after an altercation with a man in Battersea Park over their dogs. Yeah, great, great altercation, great basis for an altercation. Yeah, get your dog away from my dog. <laughs> right. Um, Any more info on that? Or is, yes. Is that, is that, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. As often, oh. the articulate Mr. Vicar, Mr. McVicar, represented himself in court. And yes, after his acquittal, this is this is we should have a bell for this obituary. Ding, master of the skies. <laughs> Ding, ventilation shaft. Ding, Mr. Muscles. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> right. Um. He represented himself and after his acquittal was praised by Baker, the judge, for presenting his case successfully and with great skill and ability. Days later, he received a card from one of his former prisons that read, sorry not to be able to welcome you back. Fuck off. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rip it up, scrunch it up, kick it into the bin. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, then there's a bit about his school life. Blah, blah, blah. He had the ump that he was, that the adults around him let him fall into because he was a chess champion at a very young age. He was obviously naturally very clever, but because yeah. of the circumstances he grew up in, mm. he fell into a life of crime. And he then when he became. 
evil rather than Yeah, and then when he became more educated, he sort of bitterly resented the adults around him for allowing that Mm. to happen, which is an interesting take. I think it's sort of kind of fair. It's a regular thing, I think. It's a Mm. regular occurrence. It's like why I was a clever kid. Well, that shouldn't have happened to me. Um, He was sent to a remand home in 1956 from where he made his first escape. He just escaped from anywhere. TTFN, dickheads. That was his fucking catchphrase. Um... (laughs) I'm getting to the good bits about when, like the late part of his life. Here we go. This is really good. Um, right. McVicker later ventured into business as a publisher and as a travel agent. In 2003, he teamed up with, and I'm hoping you're familiar with this name, the Marquess of Bath. Does that ring any bells? Is that the guy with the hair? Better known for his harem of wifelets. Oh. Remember that guy? They made a few documentaries about him in the 90s and noughties. He's this very eccentric Marquess. He's and he had the long loads of... beard, isn't it? Yeah, that's him. Yes, yeah. I'm looking at him now, yes. I actually knew, a kind of friend of a friend, I knew him very vaguely. He uh, used to wear one of those hats with a tassel down the side, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And, I, and they made a documentary about him, and it was quite bad. I knew a kid, vaguely, whose mum was one of the wifelets. Yeah, he didn't yeah. seem that embarrassed by it, so good luck to them all. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, John McVicker in 2003, he, he teamed up with the Marquess of Bath, better known for his harem of wifelets, to launch art, listen to this, Artnic Adventures, offering package holidays in Bulgaria. Well, we know someone else who liked holidaying in Bulgaria. Maybe he was connected to the same thing. Leslie Grantham. Leslie Grantham, quite. Fucking hell. Among the itineraries on offer were shooting trips with John McVicker and courting and mating wilderness treks with the Marquess of Bath. Courting and mating? Wilderness trips in Bulgaria. Wilderness. So, to be clear, just to recap, John McVicker, the infamous armed robber and prison escapee, teamed up with the Marquess of Bath, the Mm. infamous bigamist, right? Mm -hmm. They set up a travel agency that specialised in trips specifically to Bulgaria... Yeah. And, and while you went, you could go mm-hmm. shooting with John McVicker, a former armed mm-hmm. robber, or you could go on sex trips in the woods with the Marquis of Bath. In the woods? Uh, that was the package. W- were, were the partners provided? Or did they have to no, hunt I, down I, as well? I think the idea is, is that you go into the woods and you have it off with the Marquis of Bath. Right. Which I'm obviously... Do you, know, do, you know, do you know how many wifelets the Marquis of Bath had? A dozen. Would you like to hazard a guess? A Twelve. Twelve. Higher. 20. Higher. 50. Higher. 80. 74 wifelets. Fucking hell. <laughs> Fuck me. How do you remember all the names? Jesus. No, well, my, my wife, she she wasn't one of them, but she did know. She one wasn't of, one of them. She knew one of the wifelets because she was mates right. with, with her son, and she knew she was a really nice woman. Uh, I don't know what, what, what was in it for her, but apparently she was perfectly fine, nice, sane woman, very glamorous, mm-hmm. and she liked being a wife. She well, was happy to be a wife. Se- yeah, if he's got 74 wifelets, you're probably only going to see him once every two months, aren't you, for a few hours? Yeah, it was bloody... And, so th- and that pretty, way, the relationship... That way, the relationship never gets stale, Andy. Think of it that fresh, way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, okay, so so we got to that bit. That's, that's probably my favourite bit, but there's some other stuff here. Um... Let me just tell you this last bit. During one of his jailbreaks, McVicker met Sheila Wilshire. They were married, but um, the marriage ended. 
In 2012, he married Countess Valentina Artstrunik, a much-married Bulgarian society beauty who in 1997 had been cleared of murdering a jeweller in Virginia. She was the she was the author. She was the author of How to Join the Club of the Rich and Famous. That marriage. My favorite bit. That marriage was also dissolved. My favorite bit. That was much married. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. She, she was accused of murdering a jeweller in Virginia, mate. That's when you do, oh. you're getting to the end of the obituary. You're thinking, this is a, a fucking mad life he's had. And then that bit's yeah. just almost the addendum. Yeah. Oh, so there you so go. Good. What, that's mm. a life lived, isn't it? Yeah. It's and I'm going to rewatch McVicar, I think, tomorrow now in tribute. I was reading some somebody tweeted about the film and there's a scene in it where um, Roger Daltrey's been served breakfast by a woman. Yeah, and she drops and the fried naked. egg. She dro- yeah, she goes under the table. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's the that's um, the best bit. <laughs> well, well, Roger Daltrey apparently insisted on that being in because he fancied the actress. Oh, that wasn't in the original script. Hell. He's so actually quite. Go. I'm not a big Roger Daltrey fan. I mean, I don't know many people I'm who not. are because he's like a bit, Brexit, yeah, he's, yeah. He's just <laughs> he's just awful, really. Yeah. But but he is good in this film. He's, he's yeah. a good performance. Yeah. Uh, there's also a bit in Top of the Pops 1979 where he's co-presenting it and Elton mm. John he's introduced Elton John and he says something like backs against the walls boys oh, oh, for yeah fuck's it's sake. like oh, come on I mean fucking hell uh, to be honest this, this there another I've always thought the Who I mean I know it's Pete Townsend's band and not his but I've always thought the Who uh, are overrated I don't dislike yeah. the Who but I think they're very overrated they're, they're on that list I've got of groups whose greatest hits albums are the best thing about them and the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like sort of very... Yeah. yeah. Nah, it's not anyway, for me. Let's move on. Let's do some um, predicting mm. for the weekend because the proper football's back. Are you ready? I am. Bournemouth versus Brentford. 1-0. I will go with that one. Um, 2-0 to Brentford. Okay. I'm not sure why. Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. Um... Mm. I'm going to go Palace 2, Chelsea 1. I'll second that, yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to go well for Graham Potter at Chelsea. I've just got a feeling, you know. Mm. West Ham versus Wolves. West Ham 1, Wolves 0. Okay, I'll go 2 0 for that. Sunderland versus Preston. I'll go first on this. I will go for. Uh, still haven't got any strikers fit. I'm going to go 1 1. Uh, I'll say 2-1 Sunderland thank you very much and Southampton versus Everton Uh, mm. I'm going to say 2-1 Southampton 2-1 Southampton I think this will be 1-1 results but of course we're out in the lead saying 1-0 home win for all of these so hopefully Mm. That won't be the case. Um, that's pretty much the episode. Uh, before we go, I've just decided what I'm going to have for tea tonight, and I want oh. you to rate it, Sam. Yeah. Ham, egg, and chips. Ten. There it is. No further comments required from any listeners. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.